0: And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's the Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who always loves wise potato chips. Hi, folks, and welcome back to the Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And that music, yes, again, makes me so happy. It just makes me feel right. I like those folks who play that music and wrote it and arranged it. And, of course, they're the Michael J. Banning Orchestra and the Katie Higgins Dancers featuring girl tenor Shannon Harris asking the musical question, My friends and I already live in Florida, so when we reach level five, where should we be driving? And the answer is my place. Yes, just that I I was so intrigued by... Just the sound of the question, wow, you and all your friends, and you, you drink, and you get to level five, and you want to know where to go? Right here, fast. I'm just being silly, but uh, yes, both the colonel and I understand. If you get to level five in Florida, I mean, where would your dream place be to go? And the answer is New Orleans. That's right. New Orleans, if you're already in Florida, Shannon, I'm telling you, New Orleans is a wonderful city in all sorts of ways to play and pay and play again. By the way, I just said that. I, knew, I, I swear I don't even know what it means. But in any case, yeah, think about New Orleans. It'd be wonderful. Wait, think about it. Wherever you go or when in New Orleans, it doesn't matter. You can get a drink. The city is loaded with hotel rooms and, well, there's gambling and all sorts of river boats and thousands of handsome young men dying to meet a carload of Florida girls tough enough to drink. So there you are, Shannon. Good question. And you're right. You could, well, I thought for a second and I asked the colonel and he thought so too. There's some beautiful, Florida is a big state and there's some wonderful places to go that, well, probably you, you've never been either. Whether it's um, Key West, I was about to say Key Largo, but with anyone with a key in front of it, and uh, no matter where that is, but then, well, it seemed pretty obvious, New Orleans, or as they say there, New Orleans. And uh, great place to be, all sorts of fun. I've worked there several times, and have been in a couple of movies that were there where I, where I was in New Orleans For more than a let's see, two months. Uh, Oh, and what was that thing called? Oh, oh, uh, the uh, oh for crying out loud! The uh, I should know the names of things I've been in, shouldn't I? In any case, though, good question, Shannon. And uh, say hello to your friends. And, you know what, if New Orleans doesn't even sound that interesting, then the best place is probably still my place. I I think, uh, and the colonel and I agree also, that we would get you on a helicopter to Milleronia, and that might actually be the best place for you and your friends to go. Uh, You should be aware my wife is the queen of Milleronia, and there are two volcanoes, and we use them. So I'm just, well, I'm just pointing that out. In any case, good question, Shannon. And by the way, you should know Katie Higgins from the Katie Higgins Dancers. Katie Higgins is a captain in the Marines and a pilot and a C-130 pilot and the first female pilot in the Blue Angels. So all I can think of is, first of all, God bless you, Katie, and all I can think of is setting her up with my son, who is a Marine, too. That's close enough. Uh, Katie sounds, just from that description, she sounds tough and gorgeous and and knows how to work hard, and, well, so is my son. He's a Marine. In any case, though, uh, good luck, Katie. And uh, you guys were a great group today. And by Amazon and PayPal. That's right, Amazon and PayPal. Two great companies. First of all, Amazon's still my favorite company in the world because whatever you can think of, whatever you can imagine, they'll send you. That's number one. And number two is Whatever they send you, they make money. They make a living that way. That's number two. It's good for them. And my favorite part of this is the number three, that whatever you order and whatever they send you, they send us here a percentage of it. So Colonel Jeff and I get a percentage of whatever you order, and that's a pretty good reason right there. So remember, to get to Amazon, you don't go to Amazon. You don't pull it up on your own laptop What you do is you go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? (laughs) Oh, you got me with that one. The colonel always gets me with the things he puts together. And by PayPal, my my favorite company also. And uh, what you do is I always like to say, well, you know, if you like our show... And why wouldn't you? And, oh, pardon me. That's the copy going past the mic. And if you like the show and want to send us a few bucks to help out, and also why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. So what you do, instead of saying donate or pay what you like, I always like to say buy us some drinks. That's right. There are Now, there are different levels to buy us drinks. There's level one through five all the way up to we're driving to Florida. Or We're driving to Florida! <laughs> that's right. We're all driving to Florida, including including everyone cheering, just to meet Shannon and her friends. We just want to say, gee, glad you wrote. And that's actually true. So in any case... Uh, What you do is send us that dough. Look for the PayPal banner on our website. Look for the Amazon banner on our website. And we will take you there. Every little bit helps us keep the old leg lamp lit. And thanks to everyone who's contributed already. And by the way, signed hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, are now for sale at store.com com, So please order one of those. It'll make me very happy and I think you'll enjoy it. It's a good comedy book. It's a comedy look at the world. It's my look at the world. And also it's it's well worth mentioning Colonel Jeff's new show is Barracuda Radio. Now there's a new episode out and uh, by the way what, what you what you need to do is it's on iTunes or BarracudaRadio.com, and I am happy to mention Jeff's show because of the Colonel, well, folks, if he can make the sound effects you like and that I like so much, remember, well, he's he's worth seeing on his new show, Barracuda Radio, and that brings us to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. <laughs> the timpani going up and the bongo drums. This, and that is what they are. And uh, this is a good joke. And the Colonel found this on one of those joke sites, right? And uh, we read it and we both liked it. <clears throat> so here it goes your joke of the week. A blind man walks into an all-girl biker bar. Uh, how many times have we all heard that? But it's true now. A, a blind man walks into an all-girl biker bar, and he makes his way to the bar and sits down and orders a drink and uh, just places his cane hanging up on the back of his chair. And after a minute or two, he just takes a sip or two of his drink, and he says to the bartender, "Uh, uh Hey, uh, bartender! Uh, I know a good blonde joke. You want to hear it? And before he goes any further, a woman next to him says, Hey, buddy, I'm going to cut you a little slack because you're blind, but I think there's something you ought to know. I'm sitting here right next to you, and I'm a blonde, and I'm six foot one, and I'm a black belt in karate, okay? Now, the bartender, the one you were talking to, she's a blonde, and she's six foot two, and she's holding a baseball bat and patting it against her hand. The woman on my left is a blonde, she's six foot three, and she's a professional wrestler. The woman on my right is a blonde, she's six foot four, and she's a mixed martial artist champion. And the woman on the other side of you is a six foot five inch blonde, and she's someone who just sharpens tools all the time. So now, think of it again with that group all around you. And knowing that this is an all-girl biker bar, you still want to tell that blonde joke? And the guy says, Nah, it's a pretty good joke, but not if I'm going to have to explain it five times. (laughs) We thought that was pretty cool. We thought that was a funny joke. And uh, please pass it on and tell it any way you like. And that brings us to my second favorite part of the show... The Poetry Corner. Yeah, I think that guy is coughing the way the blind man and the all-girl biker bar would have been coughing if they decided to dance all over him and play medicine ball with him. In any case... This is a lovely poem called On Imagination by Phyllis Wheatley. Now, it's a tiny bit longer, I'm just going to tell you, than some of our other poems, but it's very good, and uh, oh, it won't take but another 30 seconds anyway. So here we go, On Imagination by Phyllis Wheatley. Thy various works, imperial queen, we see how bright their forms, how decked with pomp by thee. Thy wondrous acts in beauteous order stand, and all attest how potent is thine hand. From Helicon's refulgent heights attend, ye sacred choir, and my attempts befriend. To tell her glories with a faithful tongue, Ye blooming graces triumph in my song. Now here, now there, the roving fancy flies, Till some loved object strikes her wandering eyes, Whose silken fetters all the senses bind, And soft captivity involves the mind. Imagination! Who can sing thy force, or who describe the swiftness of thy course, soaring through air to find the bright abode, thy imperial palace of the thundering god? We on thy pinions can surpass the wind and leave the rolling universe behind. From star to star, the mental optics rove, measure the skies and range the realms above. There, in one view, we grasp the mighty whole. Or, with new worlds, amaze the unbounded soul. Though winter frowns to fancy's raptured eyes, the fields may flourish, and gay scenes arise. The frozen deeps may break their iron bands, and bid their waters murmur o'er the sands fair flora may resume her fragrant reign, and with her flowery riches deck the plain. Sylvanus may diffuse his honors round, and all the forest may with leaves be crowned. Showers may descend, and dews their gems disclose, and nectar sparkle on the blooming rose. Such is thy power, nor are thine orders vain. O the leader of the mental train, in full perfection all thy works are wrought, and thine the sceptre o'er the realms of thought. Before thy throne the subject passions bow, of subject passions, sovereign ruler thou. At thy command joy rushes on the heart, and through the glowing veins the spirits dart. Fancy might now her silken pinions try to rise from the earth and sweep the expanse on high. From Tithon's bed now might Aurora rise, her cheeks all glowing with celestial dyes, while a pure stream of light o'erflows the skies. The monarch of the day I might behold, and all the mountains tipped with radiant gold. But I, reluctant, leave the pleasing views, Which fancy dresses to delight the muse. Winter austere forbids me to aspire, And northern tempests damp the rising fire, They chill the tides of fancy's flowing sea. Cease, then, my song, cease the unequal lay. Well, that's uh, some poem that Phyllis Wheatley gave us there. And it really is, by the way. And what an interesting woman. I have read poems by her before. This woman, by the way, is really something that, uh, in addition to on imagination, Phyllis Wheatley lived from 1753 to 1784, Again, one of those stories that's a tragedy of brilliant people, whether musicians, poets, actors, and they all some well, not all, but very often have brief lives, and she was only 31. Get this, though. She was born in West Africa, sold as a slave, sent to America, purchased by the Wheatley family in Boston, and was emancipated after Mr. John Wheatley died. Well, that's a pretty good backstory, folks. And and here she writes something that I can read to you and that you might read to someone else. So, thank you, Phyllis, and thank you, folks. And that brings us to my third favorite part of the show today. (music) M-M-M. The Triple M, 3M, Magic Movie Moment. With the greatest piano note ending it. Magic Movie Moment. And today, it was also, well, I looked for this because June 6th, just a few days ago, is the 70th anniversary of D-Day. And I hope you know that, and I hope you thought of it. D-Day, good Lord, what a day in what a war, World War II. The planning that went into it is astonishing. But there were wonderful specials on TV all weekend long, and they're certainly going to be out there for you to get any time you want. And in movies, there was one that, well, that I thought about, and then I looked up and came across, and the longest Day from 1962, starring, good Lord, John Wayne, Red Buttons, Richard Burton, Robert Mitchum, Eddie Albert, Henry Fonda, Sal Mineo, Paul Anka, Fabian, so many others, another two dozen stars, because this is a movie that was also made, remember, from the perspective of not only what made D Day, but From America, England, Germany, France, from every place that was in World War II. It's a wonderful movie. I love this movie. The Longest Day. And, uh, well, the magic movie moment for me today involved John Wayne. And after all, he leads his troops through. And he winds up, well, he, he, he breaks his leg along the way. And they have to put him up on a jeep so they can cart him. And the, the doctor there, in fact, says to him, Oh, okay, well, Colonel, you better get out of that uh, out of that jeep there. We're going to uh, send you to a field hospital. And John Wayne just says, Now, Doc, just lace up the boot and lace it tight and let me get going here with my men. And the doctor says, Well, sir, I didn't. And Wayne says again, Just, just Doc, do what I tell you, please. And lace it up and lace it up tight. And he goes on. And he leads his men the rest of that long, well, the longest day. And they get into a town where so many American paratroopers hit. And it was the wrong place, the wrong target. It happened a lot so often in history through so many conflicts. But especially, yes, in World War II, they, they made incorrect landings and incorrect droppings as good as they were. And as hard as they trained, and as tough as they were, and John Wayne and his men come into a town, and Red Buttons is there, and he's lost his hearing because of the church bells that were bonging the whole time he had to hang up there. All these paratroopers were dropped onto this town, and it was held by the Nazis. And as they came down in their parachutes, they weren't on a secret landing. They weren't going to land and get together and then take that town and fight for it. They came down by their parachutes into the town. And so many of them were killed by the Nazis. They, they, they brought out their machine guns and just fired up into the air at everyone coming in on parachutes. And John Wayne notices one of the young soldiers who was killed, and he is still up there hanging by his parachute, and he's just hanging there, and he's he's dead. And John Wayne's face drops and turns ashen, and he interrupts the major who's explaining the the situation to him, and he says, get that soldier down. What is he doing still hanging up there? And the major says, well, sir, we wanted to make sure that uh, before you you got, got here, and Wayne just interrupts him again, Get that boy down. That's not why he came here, and we're not going to leave him there. The actual words, I uh, I changed a tiny bit. The actual words are much better, and it's a perfect John Wayne moment. He really gets to show what he, what he was and what he believes, and he really gets angry. And then they go, oh, right, yes, sir, and they send men up to finally get this young boy down. And folks, that whole movie, The Longest Day, has many, many moments that could be called magic movie moments. And every great star, good Lord, has them, like Richard Burton. And, oh, they all do. But that John Wayne moment, for me, of him seeing that young American soldier who was killed so foully who was killed because he was dropped in the wrong place who was killed because he was just floating down under a white parachute and you know what the acting John Wayne does and the character he represents is a magic movie moment to me and I think it will be to you look it up someday if you haven't seen The Longest Day good lord see it it's a terrific movie It's a terrific movie about D-Day. It's a terrific movie about the D-Day whose 70th anniversary we just passed on June 6th. See the longest day and you won't be sorry. And, you know, I think sometimes about Europe in general. Not the way we all think of Europe. I don't mean going to Europe and saying, boy, what a wonderful restaurant this is. Or, boy, how elegant it is here in Italy or France or Germany or England or any place you wanted to go. That's not the Europe I'm talking about. I'll tell you, folks, yesterday I was driving through a part of Santa Monica, down Santa Monica Boulevard, and I was going to look for a place to have a late lunch. It was about 3.30, and I saw a little mini mall, and it had... A Chinese restaurant called The Dragon Palace Chinese restaurant And I've never, I've never understood names Like that by the way but it's fine with me if, if that's the name you want to pick That's good with me And I went in there and it was uh, Not a fancy place and not a big place But they were very nice in there The food was okay And I'm going to give them a chance Again another time I ordered the uh, Egg foo young and uh, I want to see what it's like when they heat it up a little more and when they cook it a little sooner. I think maybe that thing was sitting around for a while. But I will be back there again. And afterwards, just in the same mini-mall, I walked out, and just a few stores away, there was a donut shop. I don't eat donuts. I'm, well, I, I eat donuts, but not the way most people do, and I walked in there thinking, boy, I sure would like one of those apple fritters. I've always liked those apple fritters, folks. And the place was empty, and uh, there was a very, very short, very elderly, very Asian woman standing there, and she was just fine, just very nice. And I got one of her apple fritters and a bottle of milk, small bottle of milk to go with it, and I just sat down at one of the tables and said, took a bite and you know, pulled it apart a little and took a few bites. It was just okay. If I go back to that mini mall for egg foo young, I will not be going back for another donut there. I wish them well. But it was just okay. Not good or very good or terrific. It was just okay. The milk was good. And then as I left, so now I've eaten it two places in a mini mall, and I saw just a few stores on the other side of the Chinese Dragon Restaurant, was a European market. And it was called Lituanica, which is their way, I assumed, L-I-T-U-A-N-I-C-A, Lituanica. That's the way they spelled and pronounced, I was guessing, Lithuania, which is uh, one one of the three Baltic states it's the southernmost Baltic state. That's with with uh, Latvia. Oh, what's the third one? With the M? Estonia. But M's are so close to E's anyway, aren't they? But uh, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, which is right on the Baltic Sea on the south. And it was a market, and I thought, you know what, I, I don't know that I've ever gone into a Lithuanian market. I'm going to go in there and... See what they have. Maybe bring something, get it for my wife or the kids. Maybe some kind of weird food or some kind of statue that's eating weird food. But anyway, I went in there, and uh, it was kind of empty, too. And I just saw a stand. I started to look around, and inside there I saw an ice cream section, an ice cream cooler that had ice cream called Duda, Do. Du- D u d a, not duda. By the way, it's not that's not what you say when you eat it. But d u d a, Lithuanian ice cream. And uh, I thought, well, how do you like that? And I decided to get one. And uh, they were little ice cream cones that were in metal metal bags. And they had come. They were made in Lithuania, and they had come from Lithuania. And that's that's pretty good. I said, "How do you like that?" So I went up to the cashier and I uh paid her for the for the uh, cone. The cone itself was only about 3 4 inches high and uh had some chocolate ice cream in it. And it didn't it didn't look so fancy. It doesn't have to look fancy to me or you probably, but I thought, "Well, let's just see how this is." So I opened it up and smiled and <clears throat> I just took a couple of steps back into the store. I didn't leave the store yet because I wanted to see what this tasted like in her store. And that wasn't about the ice cream. What it was about, folks, the truth is that Lithuania is such an interesting place and I never knew. But this sales girl behind the register there was so pretty. She was so pretty in, well, an Eastern European way. That's the only way I can think of it. Not someone you'd think of as a girl next door. Not someone you'd think of as a Vogue model. But boy, folks, she was wearing a dress, sort of a Lithuanian dress, a very light material. It was very hot yesterday. I'm telling you, she was the prettiest thing in that whole area, maybe the whole city. And I thought to myself, we'll get a load of you. And I said, how do I say thank you in Lithuania? And she told me. It's spelled like a, a sneeze, like a chew. And I said, Oh, so a And she smiled and said, A And well, that's enough for any guy. You know, I, I thought that, look at this, look at this pretty young woman. And so pretty, though, folks, that it would make you, well, want to eat your doodah in the store. And that's what I did. And it was, again, okay. Not great, not very good, not terrific, but just okay, but better than the apple fritter, and especially because of the sales girl. And uh, I looked up when I got home, which is uh, very interesting. Lithuania, once again, the southernmost of all the Eastern European states that have become so well-known over the years, and the southernmost, folks, was a pagan country till the 14th century; uh, they had not turned into, uh, in, over to Christianity, which is a little odd, since all of Europe was well very successfully Christian for a thousand years before that. And uh, and here's something else: Lithuania. But so, in addition to still being a pagan country, Lithuania, especially, Vil- especially Vilnius, the capital. Turns out, they said, was a big center for Jewish learning and culture and academics, and all of that Jewish learning ended in 1940, when, as you know, something else happened. And the Nazis didn't even put them in camps. They gathered all the Jews and killed them in a forest just outside of Vilnius. And so I'll be going back to that Chinese restaurant on Santa Monica Boulevard sometime, and just to see again, just to say to them, can you make it hotter? Can you make it fresher? Just to see if they can make it uh, better. It was okay. It was okay to pretty good. And I want to see if they can make it very good to terrific. And yes, I won't be, uh, well, I will not need a donut after that or an apple fritter, but I think I will stick my head in... Lituanica, the Lithuanian market, and see what else they have. And, yes, see if that very pretty sales girl is there so I can smile at her and uh, she can smile at me and see what else she has for sale there. You know what? It made me think of what is so good about our European pasts in our families, particularly, you know, my grandmother, my mother's mother, Dora, Bobby Dora, was, um, oh, they were such great people. She and her husband, who was my grandfather, my mother's father, and her husband came from a family that were well diggers in, well, in Latvia, and where, where it was, when it was part also of the Austrian-Hungary Empire. I don't even know what these things meant. I'd have to look up... In, in an encyclopedia from 1930. But the truth is they were a great family. He was tough as nails, and he came to America. Uh, He was in the Austrian army for a while, but this is just before World War I, and he decided he didn't want any part of that Austrian army. They didn't treat his people well. And he came to America as a well digger, and he became a plumber. And after a year or two, he saved enough money to bring Dora, who was his wife already, and their first child, who was born in Europe, to America. And I'm also telling you this because, well, I loved them both very much. She was, oh, she was one of these women who would speak five languages when she was six years old. She could sing opera in 12 languages She, when she was seven. I mean, just brilliant. And, uh, worked in a box factory with her sisters so their older brother, Moses, could go to high school. And that's the way they did it. And uh, one day, I was staying at their house in Brooklyn. And uh, I loved being with my grandmother, Dora, Bobby Dora. And uh, she and I liked the same things. We both liked Perry Mason on TV. We loved Perry Mason, and they had a grandparents' TV from 1960, meaning it was small and black and white. It was, oh, about 7 inches by about 10 inches, and, uh, well, we used to just watch that, and we loved Perry Mason. We loved all the characters on Perry Mason. We, we couldn't believe how well he did. I mean, we liked him a lot, but he we always thought, boy, this guy just gets the biggest cases, the best cases— And uh, we loved Hamilton Berger, who who is the district attorney. But, of course, we were glad Perry always beat him. And Lieutenant Trask. I think his name was Ray Collins. A great, great actor in many movies through the 30s and 40s. And uh, truly a great actor. And, uh, in fact, he was in Citizen Kane. He was in that big acting group with Orson Welles. And he played Lieutenant Trask on the Perry Mason show. And uh we loved him coming in and my grandmother would always say the same thing and uh, Oh, this Schmegegi again. And uh which is not an insulting word actually. It's not a compliment. It, it means something like Oh well this guy again, this guy's guy a little knuckleheaded and uh but he was he was great in everything he did and uh Also, she and I watched wrestling together. She loved professional wrestling, and so did I. And she would always put down a a bowl of Wise potato chips for me. Not a huge bowl, just a a bowl that would hold, oh, about one small bag of potato chips in it and a big glass of milk. And, folks, that was the best living I could ever have. Uh, My parents and my sister were Oh, away somewhere for the day, and we were all going to be staying there that night. But boy, how nice to watch TV with Bobby Dora, and you know what? And to watch the things we like, and laugh at them, and to eat wise potato chips. And then it got me thinking of, you know what? That's why I've made Milleronia the way it is. I like all the old things we used to have. I think Wise Potato Chips probably still exist. And uh, I don't know. Whether, I think maybe, maybe they're made in Pennsylvania somewhere. But boy, folks, in 1960, when you got one of those blue bags of Wise Potato Chips, one of the big blue bags, whew, those are real potato chips. We have them here on Milleronia, baked the way they used to be. And I decided I wanted Milleronia, in that respect, to look sort of the way I remembered it from my childhood. That is, neatly trimmed and well-maintained. And, for instance, we reinstated the milkman. I always liked milkmen. I always liked when they came to the house in the milkman uniform. The milkman uniform was, uh, well, of course, white, because milk is white, and they white pants and black belt, white shirt white cap, sort of like an Air Force cap from World War II. And I like that. I like the milkman. And that you say, oh, uh, hi, good morning, Mr. Donahue. And and uh, my mom would say, oh, we say hello. And then we'd take the bottles in, one or two bottles a day. The milkman is a good thing to have. I think we should have it again here on the mainland. And I have brought back old-style garbage pickup that I remember from my youth, so that today, I think, first of all, we don't look well enough on garbage pickup. It's a very important thing. It's hugely important. But I remember from my youth, from my childhood, we had two garbage canisters in the ground, in concrete, with those big heavy metal covers, and we'd fill them up with our brown bags. And on garbage pickup day, the men would come walking through the house, through the yard, because part of their job was they had to get those cans. They would open the metal coverings and reach down and bend their knees and really pick that whole can up and put it on a shoulder and hold it to balance and walk back out to the curb where the garbage truck was and unload it there in the back of the truck. And then they'd carry that garbage can empty back to where they got it We'd do the same thing, smile and wave, and they would too. And then they'd gone, we'll go on to the next houses. I liked the old garbage pickup in the in that way. I like our garbage folks today. I like them very much. I always wave and we chat, but you know what? they uh, I like them. Their job is very important, but I like the old garbage man ways. I like the old ways. I like the fruit trucks that used to come by in our neighborhood. And the sharpening trucks. And the fruit trucks had a little music playing. And they were run by, there was a, a little man from Italy who would, and my mom would always get fruit from him. And that would be oh, plums and, and apples and oranges it was great to have a fruit truck come by and play a l- play a little music softly as it went, and the sharpening truck where you could get all your utensils sharpened. We never needed that, but the- he always came by, and I always liked him because he was part of the neighborhood trucks and the sharpening truck for a while. It sounded like he was playing that psycho music when he would go by that he eh, eh, he. Eh, 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 eh and i don't know i don't know why he never really changed it until someone said gee that's kind of hideous ice cream trucks were very important to me to us to all the kids and they were something all the parents and all the kids went out to in the summer every night ours was a good humor man the good humor man and we knew it so well and we loved that company so much and we used to say to the good humor man, who was the only guy we were allowed to call by his first name, and we loved it. We used to say to him halfway through the summer, we used to say, do you know who the, who the good humor man is going to be next summer? And he would say, honestly, well, I don't know yet, but I'll let you know. And please let us know, because we wanted to start practicing using his first name. And We'd always say, thanks, Don or whatever his name was, it meant a lot to us that we knew the ice cream man. It meant a lot to me that I i have no idea still just how he could always reach into that ice cream truck, never looked in, always just reached in, and always picked out the exact right one. I never knew how he always knew where to reach into the truck. I thought, I thought that was miraculous. I'd like it to be miraculous again. And by the way, I never got the fancy bars No almond crunches or the chocolate with little nuts in it or something. And Colonel Jeff said he always got also the chocolate with the little nuts in it. I'm sure you all had things you liked. And I I just always came back and stayed with. I always got just vanilla ice cream with the chocolate covering. And that was good for me. That was good enough. I didn't even need the chocolate ones or the... uh, Sometimes they had a double blend of uh, strawberry and vanilla. I just got the basic vanilla with the chocolate covering, and I'd like that back again. And we have that here on Milleronia again because it's a wonderful thing for parents and children to come out to. They were 10 cents apiece when I was 6 or 7 years old, and our parents, all the parents in the neighborhood, would come out when they heard those bells ringing From the good humor man. And it was something in the summertime it was good to have in common. And all the parents would give their children the dime for the ice cream. And we would go out and we would feel we had the greatest ice cream man in the world. And you know what? We had second newspapers when I was a kid. Not just the morning newspapers. We used to get Newsday in the morning which was Long Island newspaper. And then in the evening, my dad would always bring back the New York Post that he had gotten the evening edition as he was coming home from work. And my grandparents on both sides got the daily news, and I always loved their slogan, in quotes, was always, New York's picture newspaper. And we never got the New York Times or anything fancy like that. And... I want that again, second newspapers like the New York Post or the Daily News in the morning or Newsday. And we have that on Milleronia. We have, oh, it it means the route. Of course they're not called, well, Newsday or the New York Post or the Daily News because we're here on Milleronia. So our morning newspaper is the Milleronia Gazette. And it's a good paper, too. And everyone loves reading all the Little League scores and see who got accepted to what college. And the evening paper was called The Milleronia Picayune. And I loved that name, and I chose it because I never had the slightest idea what it meant. I don't know what Picayune means. Colonel Jeff says it means... Important things, right? Important news, important items. We have that here on Milleronia. And you know what? I remember that no one comes by our neighborhood back on the mainland in Southern California where I live. No one just comes by. There's no ice cream, no potato chips, even though they used to be the Charles Chips truck. And even though you could get, oh, we were still a wise potato chip family, but no ice cream, no potato chips come by here, no fruit. Is that because of the competition at the supermarket at Ralph's? Well, I guess it has to be. But here on Milleronia, our supermarkets know they have to let the other fellas in. They have to or they will receive a short walk to the volcano. That's right. And, but no one comes by. I miss that. I'd like men, young men who were making a living there, I'd like them to come by ringing their bells. What a nice tradition. Who first thought of that? Why stop now? I don't care what you do for a living. Wouldn't you like to hear those bells again? I would. That's why I have them here on Millaronia. So, folks, Know that with me the way we know so many things together, you and I. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won.